I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, what's up, guys? We're back for another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And um, should be fun. So, um, you know, I, I had a... <laughs> what are you laughing at? You sound really excited. You're I always like, sound oh, excited. Man, we're, we're still here. We're doing it. Let's go. That's the way it feels. It's like, man, that's how we're you still feel, going. That's how, we feel, that's how we feel about wrestling right now. It, it, that's just, very true. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. Since on. this is a wrestling yeah. podcast, when wrestling's yeah. just blah, we're kind of just like, well, mm. everything's dead right now, so... Woo. It really is, though. <laughs> it really is. Well, here's the thing. The most exciting thing that is going on in wrestling right now is not a positive thing. The, <laughs> they're bringing Hulk Hogan back on oh, Monday yeah. Night Raw I forgot about that. to give tribute to me and Gene Okerlund, and it's going to be terrible. I have no it's problem just, with this. I don't know why people it, are going crazy over it. It doesn't. I, I, it, I, it I makes total sense people, to me. I get it. It's not a good look. He's probably going to get booed. It's going to be really weird. But it doesn't matter because I'm watching the national championship game instead. Like, yeah. Obviously. Right. So, yeah, so I don't... it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> real wrestling thing. fans, guys. We, we're yeah. definitely uh, definitely real wrestling fans like all the other people on Twitter who like watch everything. And I don't know how you do it. And it's... I mean, more power so, to you, but... Look, if something was actually going to happen, like, to be fair, okay, we, we were just talking about this before we started recording. Like, the Rumble is at the end of the month. And this is... I, I was talking to a friend of mine over the weekend who I was getting into wrestling when we were in college, and he would always watch it just to hang out with me, and, like, I'd invite him over when stuff was on. But he doesn't follow it independently, but we were hanging out for the first time in months, and I was like, no, this is great, because this is the best time to watch wrestling, like, these next four months. This is like true. the on, you know, true. The, the peak season. So I am excited for it, but I, you know, they've been phoning it in for a week. I can wait one more week. Yeah. No, they've been no, phoning 100%. it in for weeks, rather. Yeah, I was about to say, one week? You talk like, that's like three months. No, for a minute now. Yeah, <laughs> like there was, you know, there was a cool, Be- Becky Lynch had that fun standoff with John Cena. That was pretty cool. But I like, saw some stuff. You don't it. have to watch five yeah. hours of wrestling to get that. Yeah, and then haven't they already announced, like, all of the Royal Rumble matches, like, already? I feel like they have. I don't I don't think so. I think Braun won the right to face Brock for the title. He's so still wrestling? Bad. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I, I mean, mean, I thought he was still hurt. I didn't even know he was back. No, no, no. He came back uh, for TLC. I don't know if you Yeah, but he was still that. hurt. Right. Well, he's no. He's he's making his way back though. Okay. Like, whatever. He just needed like another month. He wasn't on the shelf for nine months. Well, yeah. I yeah. I knew that. Okay. You know what? It doesn't matter. Okay. Fine. Braun Strowman. You're right. It doesn't because that. Who? <laughs> you know. A couple people have declared that they're going to be in the Rumble, and other than that, I don't know. I well, because they've Ron already announced that AJ versus Brian are wrestling for the real okay. title. And that then makes sense. Right. They, I, I thought they already announced. One of the women's title matches. I thought Becky was facing Asuka, and they've already announced that for okay. the well, SmackDown be. women's title, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. I don't know. We're, we follow it very closely, clearly. Like, they've announced a couple. I mean, and they should. The show's in, what, like two, three weeks. But 
I don't know. Just WWE is so Three terrible weeks. at writing and planning stuff. They usually just make all the matches the week before. So I'm just a little surprised that I've already seen matches. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe we'll get some decent build. Hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the Rumbles are always fun. Either oh, way, yeah, no, I love the Royal Rumble. Like, even when they suck, the they're still season. fun. Because there's always right. like, all right, this is going to be fun. And even mm-hmm. while you're watching the the Rumble, you're like, okay, something fun could still happen until it's over. And then you're like, crap, nothing fun happened. And you're disappointed. But but not always. Right. And it's really fun to go back and watch those Rumbles where the 30th entrant is someone disappointing. <laughs> and the crowd realizes it and immediately just snaps. Well, that's only happened once. Like, right. But it's amazing. <laughs> it It's literally only happened one well, time. And of only, all the people, it was Rey Mysterio. <laughs> well, it only happened to poor Rey Mysterio, but it's happened two or three other times where it wasn't the 30th entrant, but it, like the crowd just immediately realizes what is happening. Yeah, yeah, that's and true. And turns on the match. Like, you can still see that. It, they're all oh, modern yeah, yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, like, the weight of our expectations is so great that nothing can ever meet them. It is true. That is but a sad thing. I feel like wrestling fans have turned into Star Wars fans. <laughs> and look, I'm one of both, but there is a uh, uh, an inherent, I don't know how to put it, um, perpetually disappointed aspect of both of those fan bases where stuff has been so good that it will never, ever be at, like as good again. And so these are the expectations. And wrestling's a little different. I don't, I don't think it's quite that far, but... And I feel like that's kind of what wrestling fans have turned themselves into, where it's like well, I feel like part of it. You're you're not wrong, but I think part of it is because when you see the original, like what you think of as this is the this is when it was really good, right? For Star Wars or for wrestling, right? Part of that has to do with the fact that you were a kid when you watched it. True, and you didn't have all these expectations that you do now. Like, nothing is going to make you happier than watching Star Wars when you were five. Like, yep. there's no Star Wars movie they could make now that's going to scratch that itch again. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, I totally, so I totally same, agree. It's the same thing. You know what's also kind of crazy if you think about it? Like, wrestling has, like, caught up with fans. Like, like I just, I just put this together right now. This is kind of the first instance where... There's nobody, I don't know how to put this, wrestling, because wrestling, like, up through the 80s, I would say at least half, if not a majority, of wrestling fans still viewed it as real, at least in many places. hmm And so there was not this expectation thing, because it was perceived as real by a, right. a big part of the fan base. And then in the 90s, it was this whole change. So there was this whole change. And then that those kids now were growing up in the 90s, but the adults didn't have this expectation thing because when they were growing up, it was real. So the 90s was great. Well, then the 2000s came, and now you have this different level of expectation thing starting to happen after the 90s. And now we're like past... That we're we're almost done with the second decade now of the two thousands. So now everyone has grown up with this same mentality, this mm-hmm. internet mentality, and now it's just like completely mm-hmm. taken over everything. And yeah. so I'm worried, like moving forward, how much farther it's gonna go. 
I think part of it is just you want to, especially with something like the Rumble, where, like, surprise is a huge part of it. You want to see something, like, new and big and exciting that you haven't seen before. True. But there's only so many ways that they can do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's only so many times you can see the same tricks. But, like, I do the same thing, and I didn't grow up watching wrestling. But so for a whole, like, I think of 2014 especially, like, that entire year, everything was super exciting to me because I'd never seen any of it before. Right. So when, like, someone turns or a new feud starts or there's this new pay-per-view coming up, I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. What are they going to do there? And even, you know, and now four or five years later, I'm like, okay, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And then, like, <laughs> well, it's July, so they're just going to tread water for two months. Nothing's yep. going to happen at this pay-per-view. Like, you just do that inherently. And, like, the people, it's not quite that bad because there's a lot of talented people on the roster. But I do this, like, I started watching wrestling with, like, Daniel Bryan and The Shield and... Like, John Cena was still there every week. So, like, whenever, like, a new faction debuts, people are like, oh, yeah, sanity, sanity. I'm like, I mean, yeah, they're cool, but, like, I'd rather just watch The Shield. But that's my bias because that's when I got into wrestling. It's the same thing, you know? Like, it's not just an age thing. It's just a, is this fresh and exciting? And I feel like the Rumble is a little bit more disappointing every year because you're just like, oh, well, it'll probably be this person. Because I read the rumors now, and I didn't do that for you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's a good point. You know, like, they can still surprise us. And, like, last year's was a lot of fun. Like, Nakamura winning, that was great. and That was awesome. Then the WrestleMania match was fine. You know, so it's just, it it feels like more of a letdown in retrospect than it was at the time. Yeah. Well, I'll never be disappointed by a Royal Rumble ever again because first wrestling show I ever went to was... Royal Rumble in 2010, which a bunch of people talk about as one of the best Royal Rumbles. Well, it was not for me at the time. <laughs> man, that was so disappointing. I've talked about you it many that. times before, but man, yeah. I'll never forget that. One, not a single legend was in it. Not one. Not one mm-hmm. single legend was in it. And two, the big surprise was Edge. Boy, what a letdown. You know that gift? Of the girl in the wrestling stands, like, just pouting furiously. I think it's because The Miz does something. Like, yeah. In oh, man, title. I forgot. You you were, you were missed all that stuff. That was in 2011. Yeah, like, I or know maybe it was it 2010. Maybe it was late 2010. Right. But it was when Miz right. beat – he cashed in Money in the Bank and beat Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. Right. But that's how I picture you at, like, every wrestling show you've ever attended in Atlanta. But, like, especially those two, that and – WrestleMania, you're just like, uh... Well, see, WrestleMania wasn't as bad uh, at the time. Um, right. It, it, that that one wasn't as bad. Um, it was more afterwards. But, uh, but yeah, that well, one for sure. Gonna, and now I get it. Like, I understand a- why people... Like, it was a good rumble. Like, I get it. Because this is before Punk. I didn't care about Punk at the time. Because Punk right, right. was this super heel. And... I was a Jeff Hardy fan, so he had just literally kicked mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy out of the WWE like less than a year mm-hmm. ago, and so I yeah. was I was like I was in I was kind of indifferent to Punk at the time, and so I didn't appreciate that. The only thing that was great in that Royal Rumble was Shawn Michaels and his whole thing trying to get back to WrestleMania to face the Undertaker right, again, right. and that whole story was amazing. And then he's one of the final four, gets knocked out. And then there's this whole thing where everything kind of pauses and Sean's just like crushed. It's like just this, like this was his last chance to get, you know, right. to get here. And he's lost it because Undertaker was a champion at the time. And, and then he just comes, he tries to come back in the match 
and you see the refs, you know, trying to hold him back, and Charles Robinson's like, no, you got to go out, and he just super kicks Charles Robinson and then leaves, and it was, oh, it was great. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything, but I, I get it now, but, man, edge, ugh. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, it'll always be fun to watch. It's fun to talk about. Always, you get the always fun. And then, like, so this was my wrestling weekend. This was actually a pretty solid. Yeah, I saw I you went to uh, you went to NXT. Yeah, yeah, live in Atlanta, which is a great show. It's always I got to go once two or three years ago, and they're just you know they're just the house shows. They aren't the TV tapings or anything. But boy, they're they're just fantastic. And every time I go, I'm like, oh yeah, you know this will be fine. It'll probably be like two hours and a couple fun matches, and they always just knock it out of the park. They always give you some fun new wrinkle or something that I haven't seen before. Yeah, I've never seen and NXT, all- so that, that definitely okay. looks cool. The roster is just so much more talented than it has any right to be. Like, I've mm, gone down yeah. there, you know, because normally what they do is they just tour Florida. Right. And they have shows at different, like, National Guard armories and high school gyms and stuff like that. So me and my buddy have gone down there we went, I think, every spring break in college. We drove down to Florida for, like, one weekend over spring break and just watched a wrestling show. And you can get tickets in the front row of these NXT shows for $20. Yeah. Because there's just nobody there. Like, it's just these, you know, middle-of-nowhere places. There's not that much demand for it. And we went down there, and we saw Pete Dunne and Velveteen Dream and Ricochet and, like, all these incredibly talented people in front of, like, 150 people. Right. You know, in the middle of a swamp somewhere. And I was just like, man, this is the best. It's not even a secret, really, but this is just the best deal in wrestling. Like, the best kept deal in wrestling. And that's one thing I was always disappointed about because house shows, like WWE house shows, don't come to Atlanta. The only thing that comes to Atlanta are SmackDown or Raw. It's pretty rare, right? Like, Like it'll come to, like, like, Macon and Columbus. Yeah, it'll go to Macon or Augusta or Columbus and other ones, but it never comes to Atlanta. It's always like, Mm -hmm. I'd rather go to a house show because... Two of the best wrestling shows I've ever been to were the two TNA house shows that me and my dad went to in like 2010 and 2011 right. or, or 2011 and 12 or whatever it was. Those were way better than like the Royal Rumble that I went to or WrestleMania even. Right. Well, they just they cater straight to you. Yeah, I know. And it doesn't like they There's don't like have a th- to worry like, about like they were at the they were uh, story. because they were at the Tabernacle. I don't know if you've ever been there. And yeah, yeah. It's it seats like 1,200 people maybe. And so, right. you know, you're, like, at the ring. And that was the first time I was ever, like, oh, my, wrestlers are really big. That was the first, yeah. my first, like, <laughs> instance of that. Or it's like, Right, well, like, oh. we were. Like, even people yeah. that aren't big on TV, quote, unquote, are, like, enormous. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, like Nick Aldis. Well, he wrestled as Magnus in uh, TNA. And I remember seeing him for the first time and he was just kind of a mid card was in like a, a tag team and you never really thought of him as like this huge guy. And then he like walked past and it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I would yeah. die like immediately yeah. from anybody, any of these people. <laughs> well, and you kind of, I, it was really fun because this one was at center stage in Atlanta. So it's yeah. kind of same idea, like pretty small venue. And you're just right on top of them, and we had really good seats. But I got to go. My buddy Jake follows wrestling, and we go to all these shows. He couldn't get off work, so I had to take my other friend. Who, <laughs> like, you know, he'll watch it when I ask him to watch it, and he enjoys it. But he doesn't follow it. And that's a really fun person to watch wrestling with because you don't have to worry about them like thinking it's stupid if they're True. there to appreciate it. 
but you also get to explain to them everything that's happening. And it gives yeah. you like a new appreciation for what you're watching, you know, which is super fun. So as either, it gives you no, out, an, either it gives you a new appreciation or it makes you rethink why you're watching wrestling. Right. Well, and it was, <laughs> it was an NXT house show, so we knew we were going to get a good product. Of course. So yeah, I wasn't of course. too worried about it. True. But, you know, so I'm catching him up to speed on everything that's, you know, I, I give him the whole story of DIY and Ciampa and Gargano and everything that's happened in the past year. And what is the main event? But Johnny Gargano and Ciampa together again, like reluctantly, versus Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream. And it was just so cool to, like, watch that dynamic play out right after I explained it to him. And, like, they haven't formally reunited. Like, they're not friends again. And you can tell Johnny Gargano is like, I, I really am not excited about this, but I'm going to do it, and I'm right. not going to kick your face in. And then they just they put on such a great match because they used to be a tag team, and they're on the same page. So, like, everything they do, once he stops, like, thinking about, oh, this is Ciampa, and I hate him, like, they're amazing. They were just so good. Mm-hmm. And it was a great like in-ring story that wasn't like i imagine they'll do something with it on television but you haven't seen that before yet so it was it was super cool there was a lot of fun stuff going on there yeah that is cool but then um anyway the other thing oh yeah the other part of my wrestling weekend was catching up on new japan okay and yeah of the course one wrestling show that <laughs> you're one wrestling show. oh yeah duh I'm, I'm sitting here like oh yeah not much is going on yeah we freaking just had Re- wrestle kingdom 13 good mm-hmm. grief i'm an idiot yeah, that's happening. That that just happened. Holy moly! And it's awesome as always. It was great. I the, well, part of it, part of the reason I don't want to like watch a ton of it is because when you just tune in once a year, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. You're I mean, not tired of it. I mean, I don't, I don't watch New Japan stuff. all the time. I watch when they have massive shows, and that's usually about it. I I I got the New Japan World last year, last summer. Because I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is great. You know, it's, you know, it's 10 bucks a month or whatever, and you can watch all this stuff. And and I was like, look at all this stuff, because, like, the G1 tournament was just about to start, and there's all this stuff. Right, and right. Then, and then I was like, okay, there's too much stuff. I can't watch all this. <laughs> right. Well, I... Because each show's, like, three, four hours long, and the G1 tournament's, like, four days a week or whatever it was. And I was like, yeah. good gosh, I can't watch all this. <laughs> I, I'm going to watch the G1 someday it might be this year but that's also <laughs> what i said last year so like we'll just we'll yeah me too so well, plus, uh, i ended up watching just like a couple of the the big shows and and that was mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. it but which, which are great but anyway but yeah i finally because i i've given up on ever trying to watch new japan live i, I don't think i'll ever do it again no i, did, I, I would it, never do i that. did it for i did it for dominion and it was totally worth it that's probably that might be the best wrestling show i've ever seen ever was Dominion in June or whatever it was. And uh, I did. I watched that live at like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. or whatever it was. Never doing that again. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, I look, remember this is the only this is this is the only thing I can counter that with. And I, I would also never do it again. But when I was in England, I spent a summer in England studying abroad. And they had the first brand split in wwe Mm -hmm. since i had started watching the first one in like a decade yeah and they were like yeah this monday we're gonna have a draft and like change you know (laughs) i mean it was it was like changing the face of wwe right 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 and i'd never seen that before so did i set an alarm and (laughs) get up at two in the morning to watch the draft you're dang right and then you realize that the draft sucks 
Well, no, like the first hour or so was interesting. I don't think I watched the entire show. Yeah. Because I real I was like, okay, they're going to have like matches and stuff in between, and I don't know if I care to sit through all of that. But like, you know, Finn Balor was the first overall pick, and right. It was interesting. I d- I didn't regret doing it, but I also wouldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so shout out, shout out to all of the uh, the England fans because there are so many English fans on wrestling Twitter, and uh, shout out to all of you guys who have to keep up with American wrestling over there. That is no easy task. I don't don't know how it's got to be terrible. Like the cultaholic guys helped me get into wrestling in the first place, and I follow all of them a lot. And they have they they do it every week. Yeah, because they're you know live blogging everything and making reaction videos like immediately and. this poor guy does like they're basically the botches, you know. He calls them the WTF yeah. moments. Yeah, and he's like, "Look, I like my job, but like pay per view weeks, it's we watch the whole thing live <laughs> Sunday night, Sunday morning. We watch it again immediately to take notes on all the video, you know, all yep. the moments. Yeah, we shoot the video. I sleep for like five hours, and then we do it all again Monday for Raw. Yeah, and again for SmackDown. <laughs> and I'm just like. Man, that'd be terrible. I I salute them for doing it, but my yeah. goodness. But anyway, so have you? Did you watch Wrestle Kingdom? Were I you did. Able to yeah, watch I it? caught up. Yeah, I caught up yesterday between that and the playoffs. I was watching. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I started watching it Friday morning, pretty much right after it was done. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I work at six o'clock in the morning, and it probably ended right around six o'clock. So mm-hmm. um, I watched like half of it then, and then I finished the next half of it like. Uh, I think it was Friday night or Saturday, or whenever it was. And um but yeah, but another great show, man. I mean, they can't really do any wrong. It's like they just can't. If New Japan has a big show, it's going to be amazing. They're yeah. like the opposite of WWE. Well, I love I say this every year, so I'm sure y'all have heard me say this before, but I love how sporty it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they take yep. it so yep. seriously on its face. Yep. That there doesn't have to be a lot of like character story in it. It's no. the opposite of sports entertainment. It's completely so, the opposite. Of, well, but it's but not it's like not. But at the same time, there's aspects of it that are goofier. Right, right, right. It's not like there can't be goofiness or like interesting characters. But like the production of it, the way it's shot, the way they treat it, it's it's a sport. Just just yeah, looking exactly. at the ring, so the it's a ring very is very different experience. Like the ring is sitting there. The crowd is all dark. It's like old school wrestling lighting. And yeah. there's a hundred people around the ring between journalists, mm-hmm. photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all this stuff here where it's like, that's the way sporting events look like. There's, yeah. you know, and 300 people on the sidelines of football games all doing different mm-hmm. things for, you know, WWE, there's zero. There's not a single person around the ring except right. for maybe the timekeeper and maybe like a, maybe like a, I don't know if they have like an. Uh, there's usually a couple guys over in that little corner, and that's it. Right, and even then, it's clearly so polished. Like it, right. it, it looks a lot more like theater and a lot less like a real, you yeah, know, sporting event. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's different things, but yeah, you're right. I think that makes it. And I love, you know, like their promo style. A lot of it is like press conferences, like yes. real, you know, mm-hmm. UFC press conferences. That's super interesting. I would love to see WWE incorporate a little bit more of that into SmackDown when I they agree. go to Fox. This will be a great year for wrestling. There's a lot of really fun stuff shaping up, but I feel like a lot of it is outside of the ring. You know, like what is all Elite yeah. Wrestling going to be? Right, right. When are they going to get a TV start. deal? 
Yeah. Are they going to have Kenny Omega? Is he finally going to WWE? You know, like this is a really exciting time, yeah. not just for what's happening in WWE. But okay, but um, but going back to uh, Wrestle Kingdom, what was your uh, what was your favorite match? Okay, going back. See, this is going to be a really like basic non-Japanese fan answer. It's Jericho. But I really, I, I really loved that opening match and the I, like the uh, the never open weight title. Oh, uh, okay. The, like the the pre show one or the first no, one on not the real the show. Match. Okay, not the pre show. Not the one match. with ninety thousand teams. No, 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 no. Okay, no. not the gauntlet. The one, match. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh yeah, the yeah, never open. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, that's just a super interesting idea to me, and like I haven't followed it super closely, but like you know the story that they've been telling is, oh well, Will Ospreay is a great junior heavyweight wrestler but he wants to try to make it like with the heavyweights and this is his first way of doing that yeah because there's not a weight limit on this belt so he's going to see if he can take it and eventually he does that was just that's the easiest story for me to understand and it was really satisfying to watch i like that a lot there were a lot of, like there, there were a lot of great matches obviously kenny omega never has a bad match right it was awesome jericho's great and like the way that they sell the evolution of Jericho, you know, where they say, oh, yeah, he used to be a high flyer, and now he's, he's the best brawler in New Japan. Yeah. Like, the way he's adapted to Well, he's created a character do. that doesn't exist in New Japan, really, at the moment. Like, there's no character like that. And so, yeah. like, yeah. there's a lot of characters like Jericho has been his whole career in New Japan. Mm-hmm. But there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no character like that. And so yeah. he's created a new character for himself to stand out in this new company. It's right. amazing. And that's a ton of fun to watch. Just like, like I said, it's fun that they treat it like sports, but there's still that aspect of sports entertainment, and he really nails that. Yeah, I agree. In this. But I, I think that never open weight match was my favorite one just because I think that's a super interesting blend of like, this guy is clearly on the ascent, and this is a pro wrestling story. Right. But also, you know, they're treating it like real sports. And if you're going to have like weight classes and stuff like that, I just love the attention to detail that they have of saying, okay, well, we're not just going to have this, you know, this little junior heavyweight, this cruiserweight go fight the heavyweights immediately. We're going to have this long build where he proves that he can hang and, you know, he's going to defend this title against a bunch of them, stuff like that. I'm really excited to see where that goes. Well, it was also Osprey versus Ibushi, and you know that was going to be amazing anyway because these are two of, like, the greatest athletes in all of wrestling, you know, squaring off against each other. And, um... There's definitely an aspect of it that still kind of isn't is is still kind of annoying to me with some of the styles with that, but mm-hmm. I mean those guys are just so good. Everything they do, they make look so smooth and so. I mean, even moves that you've seen other people do now, some of the crazy stuff, it doesn't look as good as when like Osprey does it. Yeah, he's like at a whole nother level. So I agree. That was that was fantastic. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what my favorite match probably was. It probably was Okada versus Switchblade. That match was amazing, mm-hmm. because I think Okada is one of the best of all time. I mean, he is. I've never seen anybody like Okada before. He, the like presence he exudes every time he comes to the ring, is like nobody else in the entire wrestling industry right now. I don't think there's a single person that exudes this like master about to step in and like do his craft than Mm -hmm. Okada does. And obviously he had that amazing, you know, title run for 700 whatever days or whatever it was two two and a half years. 
And I thought that was amazing too. Cause when he had the title, it was even like better. Cause that was already his like character was I'm the best and right. I look like the best. And so it's a little different now that he doesn't have the title, but he still mm-hmm. is able to do that. And I feel like a lot of people who have that kind of character thing, once they lose the title, it's really hard for them to keep that, that feel. Mm-hmm. And he's able to do it. And it's just amazing. And then, and then Jay white is probably going to be one of the best wrestlers ever in the next couple of years. Also, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, they're priming him to be like the next, like Kenny Omega. I mean, that's what he's doing. You know, he's a new leader of the bullet club. And mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. what they're making him. And I feel like he'll probably be able to do it too. Cause he's amazing. And I can, I cannot believe they had him win. I did not think he was going to get the win against Okada at wrestle kingdom, but yeah, he did. Even Kenny Omega hasn't beaten Okada at wrestle kingdom. And so that is, uh, that was impressive. And that match just, just as a straight wrestling match. That was probably the most complete one of the night that I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed. I enjoyed the main event too. Kenny Omega obviously is on a different level than everybody, but yeah. I could not get over the fact of his stupid leg drove me absolutely crazy. That whole match. It was so annoying. It was like he just tore your ligaments out of your leg. They sold this huge thing and then he sold it for like a minute and a half and then didn't sell it, sell it again until he got hit in it and then would sell it for a second and then wouldn't sell it anymore. And it was driving me crazy. I was like, your leg was like dead. Like, you, he killed it. Like, he hit it like One. four times in a row. And now, that like, was such a- and, and, and then he Sorry. did a thing like right after that where he was like hopping up one-legged up onto the turnbuckle. And I was like, okay, this is great. You know, I'll buy that you can pull off the one move with a hurt leg. You know, summon mm-hmm. the strength to do the move or whatever. Like, I'm fine with that. You know, put him in the corner, run into him. You have a hurt leg, but okay. But then sell it after you do the move. He just quit selling it for like nine, like half the match after it. And then all of a sudden he would sell it again as like a story device, a plot device. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, cl- like if I'm watching this, especially because it's New Japan and like you were saying, sports, real aspect. It's like, dude, you either have to no sell it or sell it. You can't sell it like you're dead and then no sell it for a long time and then sell it again. And it just uh, it drove me nuts. I feel like that's a criticism I've heard about Seth Rollins, too, because he loves to do that thing every time he does, like, a powerbomb off the turnbuckle where you think he broke his knee again Yeah, he did it one time. And then he'll he'll do the same thing, and it doesn't bother me, but I know what you're talking about because I've seen him do it a lot, yep. where he'll sell it for a minute, and then he'll go on this huge offensive spree where it's like it's not bothering him, and then somebody will hit it again. And then he's like, oh, no, my knee again. It's torn again. But <laughs> that's never bothered me because it's always like people have been doing this since before Hulk Hogan, but when he would just become impervious to pain. Yeah, but it's, really but it's not thing. that. But that's not what it is. Like, I buy, I'll buy, i buy that. I, I can deal with that. But it's not that. It's like it's like you're selling it and then just forgetting that it's happening. Like, it's a, it's different. I know what you're talking about, and to no, me, it's well, different. That's, than that. I'm just saying, as a viewer, that's how I take it. Is okay. Well, he's just so in the zone right now that he doesn't even notice. But eventually, like it, it catches back. You know, it's just like an adrenaline rush thing. So that doesn't bother me. But I know exactly what you're talking about. But that's why that I think that was great. Hang on, where he where he wrenched his leg yes, the first time. It was awesome. That was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> It was so good, and I was like, all right, this is where we're going. And then it, it did not tell any story whatsoever after it. Mm-hmm. And it was just it well, was more disappointing that, than anything else. Again, this is really like level run 
level one wrestling fan stuff, but just the right. fact that nobody ever kicks out of his finisher. Oh, I love it. That makes his matches so much more interesting. Yep, totally agree. You know, it's an actual proper finisher, and that's so fun. Oh, oh, that was another thing why I loved the Okada JY match, man. That we're going all over the place, but because both of their finishers are that same type of thing, mm-hmm. which. I'm sure you love Okada's finisher because it's a clothesline, and you love John Cena's finisher, and you love Bailey's finisher. You love lame finishers, but um, uh, but even still, they they do it as this big thing, and so I still respect it. I, I respect a move that's like all powerful, and because I feel like that's the way every finisher is supposed to be, and so I love that. And Jay White's finisher is just kind of a reverse. I don't even know how to say it, but it, it's it's basically like Sister Abigail, I'm pretty sure, like that Bray Wyatt right. does. It's basically that. But both of them, it's like the deadliest thing. And so the whole finish of that match was them going back and forth, constantly trying to do their finisher and not being right. able to. And right. And I love so that so much more than the 90,000 false finishers like we saw in the Jericho match. Like, right. that's so much more effective to me, knowing that if this is hit, it's done, than it is right. where it's like, oh, he kicked out of it. To me, that does nothing to me. I'm not a fan of that spot, the false finish spot. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it has its place. Sometimes it's fine. I think but it works, but you can do it like Sometimes once. it works. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Not yeah. once every pay-per-view, you know? Like, right. Like, not 12 times a year. Right, and um, and that's one thing New Japan does usually pretty well, is they usually mm-hmm. respect their finishers mm-hmm. quite a bit. And so yeah. I love that. So then he finally hit him with it, and then it was like, oh, that, that was great. Um, yeah. But the other criticism was nobody went for pinfalls at this pay-per-view. Like many times <laughs> someone hits a big move or their finish and then just didn't go for a pinfall. And it was like, Wait, go, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> go. Like I remember yeah. in the very first match, Osprey knocked the hell out of uh, Ibushi right at the end of the match. Like with that elbow to the back of his head. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't pin him. He just sat there while the ref went and checked on him. It's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. It's not go and check them. It's That's how you pin them. And right. Then, I mean, I think he finished it right after that. But but it was just like, no. And then that happened. Uh, when did that happen? I feel like that happened. It happened in several matches. I think it happened mm-hmm. in the uh, the last match a couple of times. But anyway, anyway, that that's that's minor minor things but so so i thought the uh the last match was was really good i mean tanahashi is one of the best japanese wrestlers ever and omega is probably the best wrestler wrestler right now so obviously they put on a great show and i and i like the story that was told a lot of tanahashi is too old yeah he was the best but not anymore and that that's always a good story i like yeah and yeah. you know this like one last run type thing i like that um, but anyway, great show overall though. Always a lot of fun to watch pretty much everything. Oh yeah. And I love, uh, Matt Jackson is the best seller ever. Cause his back is still hurt after like a year and a half. And I still <laughs> believe that it's hurt every time he sells it. Like I, I do, I, I 100% believe his back is still messed up every time mm-hmm. like a move take, like he is so good at selling. Cause selling isn't just when the move happens. It's also like just constantly throughout the match, which I think mm-hmm. that's what people are talking mm-hmm. about when they're talking about people like selling is dead now. 
I think that's right. more what they're talking about. Because, like, when when Matt first gets his back messed up, it's like throughout the whole match. Every time he tries to lift someone, like, it's just always there. And even when he's able to pull off moves, there's still this, like, nagging. He's able to get, like, the nagging pain thing, which, uh, and I don't know if there's anyone who can do it better right now. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. He's good. Anyway. They're all very The reason, this is kind of a pivotal point, but one reason that I, I will freely admit, one reason I do watch Wrestle Kingdom every year is because Wrestle Kingdom always sets the stage for, like, all the moves that are about to be made in wrestling. Because ever since that year where they signed uh, Gallows and Anderson and AJ Styles and Nakamura, wasn't it all at once? Didn't they get them all four? Yeah, yeah, pretty year? much. It was pretty much all within yeah. a couple of weeks. That that just sets the stage for what the wrestling landscape is going to look like all year. So you kind of knew going into it that the elite were probably going to lose, right? Because they've got their own promotion going on, and nobody really knows what that's going to look like yet. But it's just I, I like to kind of get a feel for where everyone is at because everything is about to change after this. You know, like it sets the tone for the whole year. So getting to see them go in Japan at least one more time for the foreseeable future. That, that's always really cool. And they never have a bad match. They're ton no. of fun to watch. I thought it was crazy that every single champion lost. They changed every single yeah. title on the show. Yeah, that was That was kind of crazy. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That's not a very New Japan thing to do either. Because no. I feel like when somebody has a title, they really hang on. To well, it, it like depends. It depends. Some of them they don't. But it, some, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. But um, I thought that was kind of crazy. I to be honest, I didn't even know Cody still had that U.S. title. I thought he didn't have mm-hmm. it anymore because it's not even been mentioned or defended or anything really. But um, yeah, but yeah, they had all you know, all those guys had titles, and now none of them do. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with this uh, all elite wrestling that's gonna spring up now within the next I don't know month or so couple of weeks yeah. and so yeah it's a, i'm excited it's about it again time. more wrestling more good wrestling stuff is always better and so i'm excited yeah i agree well i'm really glad that we brought up a lot of these points even though we just talked about wrestle kingdom for like 45 minutes but i'm glad we did <laughs> and i'm going to use this as an opportunity to steer into our topic for today right because we actually um, have a topic yeah i apologize right, right, right. all you have been listening to for 40 minutes of us talk about nothing no 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 it's cool we're going to keep it in theme here and i'm really glad i did this because um i had a couple ideas but they would they're a couple months in length and it would have involved me watching a lot more catching up and I didn't want to like not be able to do them justice. So I was really just looking for one match that I could talk about. But it's hard to find one match that's so crazy that it it, it stands on its own, you know, as a weekly topic for our podcast because a lot of the times the crazy stuff that we have comes in the middle of some even crazier feud, you know, and that's why it takes some time to kind of catch up with everything. But I finally found one, and you're not going to be a bit surprised when I tell you who it is, because this week's episode is courtesy of our friends at DDT. We're bringing it back to DDT, <laughs> the Japanese wrestling promotion. Oh boy, and man, we had a, we had a blast with that one last time. And that was our first. Uh, that was our first season two uh, episode. Oh, was it real? Man, we're just killing it. Because it was it, yeah, it was right after All In, and that was the when we uh, started the show back yeah, up, back yeah, I do in remember uh, that. September. Because I did. Uh, it was. The topic was Kenny Omega wrestling a girl and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. other weird stuff because he's from 
DDT, and that's uh, right. a strange. Uh, it's a strange. It's a strange and wonderful world. That is for sure. It that's a great way of putting it, and I'm glad all this stuff came up in talking about New Japan because a lot of a lot of the elements that we were just talking about, what we like in Wrestle Kingdom and about New Japan, they're present here too. Like this uh, this tendency to present it like real sports in a lot of ways, and um, you know the fact that they have like reporters and cameramen around that's present here and it it works really well but ddp ddt ddp <laughs> bang i'm getting you start a counter for how many times i do that in this episode <laughs> ddt is the complete opposite of new japan in the sense that it's absolutely insane and you know is not grounded in anything resembling reality i i think because i know you opened your last episode about this with a little uh, overview of their title, the Iron Heavy Metalweight Championship. Oh, man, what a great and title. How many times it's been held, and it won itself at one point. And <laughs> there were, it's just amazing. There were a lot of, and, yeah. So that, to be honest, though, of, to be honest, this title is way more relevant than the Universal title ever, <laughs> ever has been. Well, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly more defended and oh, more yeah. fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Anyway... This is the this is the wonderful world that we're getting into here. So this, I, I believe, is the most modern entry on this show that we've ever had because it only happened back in 2017. I want to oh, say wow. June of 2017. Yeah, yeah, probably most and, recent. Yeah, you know, DDT is is never one to slack off. They're here to prove that they have just as much to offer as any other wrestling promotion. Of course. So they have a uh, th- this match takes place in the Tokyo Dome. And it's for, I believe, the never open weight championship. To be honest with you, there are some parts of this match I'm not exactly clear on because there isn't any commentary available of it in English, at least not that I could find. Wait, this match we'll is for what title? The, the never open weight championship. Like the New Japan title? Is that the New J- is that only New Japan or is it just Japanese in general? Uh, it might be I thought it was just New Japan. I didn't know that there was like inner company title things i have no idea maybe they have their I own i figured it was unaffiliated at any rate i think you were supposed to do the research i know well i'm just saying <laughs> it's not the iron heavy metal weight championship oh which that's makes too bad me, so i my impression was the never open weight belt kind of floats between promotions in oh the same ma- way i mean that, maybe like, it does i don't know the the rev pro belt some british wrestling championship was on this new japan show right and it's not a new japan title but you know, they, they float stuff like that from time to time just to have bigger shows. So, sure. at any rate, that's not what's important here. There's a title on the line, and it's in the Tokyo Dome. But, Mark, this is not an ordinary Tokyo Dome match. Oh. Because I, I presume, you know, it's got to cost a lot to book the Tokyo Dome. Right. For a wrestling show, um, this is an empty arena match in the Tokyo Dome. Okay. And not only is this an empty arena match... It, it's still set up like a baseball field. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. There's been there's been no preparation made here. There is not a ring in the Tokyo Dome for this huh. match. Okay, so this this is a match. Let me back up for a second between a guy named Minoru Suzuki, who has the title, and uh, Shinshiro Tagaki, who is coming for the title. And it doesn't really matter who these guys are. I don't follow Japanese wrestling that closely, but. The match starts off, and Takagi's entrance music hits, and it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I don't know why, like the glass shatters, <laughs> and he comes running up the steps of the dugout, 
and again, it's just a baseball field. <laughs> There's four bases, and you know, like a little patch of dirt. You know, like the way the uh, the Expos field used to look. It's, right. It's, it's clearly in a dome. It's turf, so he comes but with running dirt up around the, the bases. Yeah. And runs the bases because how else do you make an entrance? He he runs all the way around the bases like he just hit a home run. Please tell me he slid into home. No, no, no. He comes sauntering back to home, stands oh. on home plate, and throws his arms up like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> like home plate is like the ring post that he just climbed into, basically. And he's he's playing up the crowd the whole time. There's nobody in the building. It's, again, they, they didn't sell tickets to this. It's just like 20 photographers and the video cameras and a ref. All I'm thinking is that you, Baltimore Orioles baseball game they played with nobody there during the Baltimore <laughs> riots. <laughs> that was awesome. And they That's were like a- signing autographs and uh talking with non-existent fans. Oh, that was great. That's, that's all I can think that's of. A, that's a really good parallel to be honest with you. So he he makes his way back to the pitcher's mound, which I guess is where this match is going to take place. Naturally. And then his opponent enters. And this is Suzuki, this is the champion and he he doesn't run the bases, but he does do his entire entrance. He stops, he pumps his arms, like gesturing for the crowd to get really loud. He gets all the way out to the to the pitcher's mound in the infield and steps in between the invisible ropes. Like, he gets out there and he stops right. and he pauses, you know, and very dramatically moves the ropes and steps into the ring, which doesn't exist. They're just two guys in a field. And then he, you know, very dramatically, like, takes takes the hood off his robe and holds up the title for the crowd that isn't there and it's it's the you 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 pretty much nailed it it is a like a lot like that baseball game except these two guys are taking it very seriously because look look this is a title match right this is not a game but this is also in a baseball stadium so of course we have to have the national anthem (laughs) of course one of one of the women on the roster comes out i i don't know her name Sorry, I'm not familiar with the DDT roster, but she comes out and she starts singing the Japanese national anthem on the pitcher's mound. And they start like pushing and shoving each other right in front of him. He, she makes him stop. She makes him stop and back up and be respectful. And she doesn't like, she doesn't break stride for a second. She doesn't miss a breath or a note. She just keeps singing and pushing these two guys apart while they keep trying to go at each other. <laughs> and she finishes the national anthem. And you just hear, like, four guys awkwardly clapping because a couple of the reporters just feel like they should. And Suzuki looks over his shoulder like, you you stupid idiots. You're, you're so dumb. How dare you clap at a moment like this? So at any rate, now that we've gotten that off to a start, you know, there's probably about 20, 30 photographers here, and they all surround them, and the match starts. And it's really funny because... I remember seeing old WWE episodes where, you know, they used to have photographers at, at ringside. It's and great. I like for, the look. It is a cool look. Um, it works better when you have a ringside for them to stand around. <laughs> and you may notice that on a baseball field, once again, there is no ring. They're just wrestling on the pitcher's mound right now. But there's clearly no boundaries here. I, I, I couldn't understand when they read the rules because it's all in Japanese. But right. the stadium is the arena. This is this is an empty arena street fight, if you will. There's no DQs. There's certainly no ring. So we get to watch these two guys having sort of a stand-up brawl 
just around the infield. And the, the reporters are struggling to keep up because they have to keep <laughs> running around and moving behind them. The reporters are basically this moving ring who is trying to keep up with these guys. Because uh, one, I did see one YouTube video where they reviewed this match, and they said, you know, when you're not wrestling in a ring, you can only do two things. You can either brawl, which they do a lot of, or you can work submission holds. There's not going to be a whole lot of like power moves or serious bumping going on. Right. Because we're fighting on AstroTurf here <laughs> with concrete underneath. So as the match starts, there is a lot. There's a lot of this really awkward stumbling, shuffling, brawling. Just a lot of, you know, a lot of chops, whole lot of chops. Oh, yeah, of a course. A couple other power moves, punches, things like that. And then almost right away, three or four minutes in, uh, Suzuki locks in a submission hold. And everybody says, oh, no, you know, th- there's, there's a shuffle from the reporters and they're snapping their cameras. Oh, yeah. And what is he going to do? How is he going to get away? Because there's no, there's no, rope there's no ropes. So in theory, I, I mean, he could just break his leg off right now, you know, and he's, he's straining, he's reaching. But Hang on, no wait, 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 you, you might have said this already. Is there a referee? Yeah, yeah, there's okay, a referee. Okay, okay, okay. It's, it's, it's two so, pinball so submission. So there's some sort of that. order going on. Well, nominally, yes. There actually is a very <laughs> special kind of order because he's right. Like, it, it isn't just break his leg off and then you win the title. There is a referee here. <laughs> okay. There's just, and there doesn't seem like there's much of a rule set, but then... Takagi, who is the babyface in this match, he, he's locked in a submission hold. He's got nowhere to go. And in his desperation, he reaches his hand out, slaps it down onto first base. And the ref says, break. That's it. Break the <laughs> and Suzuki looks at him and says, what? And the ref says, he's safe. He's safe. Break the hold. Oh, that is amazing. That is so awesome. That's yeah, <laughs> that's oh, cool. <laughs> if that you can make is it to the great. Bases, then you're safe. That is great. Oh, it's I love it. I love inspired. it. Why don't we have our own wrestling promotion where everyone exclusively fights on baseball fields? I don't know. Well, it's that was the first thing I thought. We can call like, it the Behind the this. Gorilla Pro Wrestling BTGPW. Ooh. And that that's <laughs> what it is. We just go. We can because you could do it anywhere. We could just go out to a park. And just yeah. do it there. You don't need an arena. You don't need to pay for a ring. Nothing. Just go out to a baseball park. There's already bleachers there. And we my could have our whole, about that, our whole promotion. My favorite part about that is it continues our low-key feud with Pro Wrestling Gorilla. <laughs> 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 We're just daring them to do something about it again. Non-existent feud, yeah. BTGPW, not PWG. No. Totally different. It's, it's way totally better. totally different. Our Gorilla has a headset <laughs> on. That's right, and David Arquette <laughs> on the title. Exactly, which could be a whole other legal problem, potentially, but we don't need to worry uh, about yeah, that. that's true. That'd be a good that's legal true. problem. Then at least we would be recognized. Well, there you go. There you go. So, at any rate, we've established that there is some sort of bizarre law and order in this match. And that's the greatest the wrestling break- rule I've ever heard of in my life. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? And, and it's, there's not <laughs> a close second. The fact that the umpire goes safe and he does the motion. Umpire? You know, there's like, an umpire, too? The ref, the ref, the umpire. <laughs> that know, would be a ma- just like Oh umpire. my gosh, we have an even better idea. There's no refs. We use umpires that have the full umpire full uniforms gear, on. And they, and they could, they, yeah, they could be a home plate umpire as well. Oh, perfect. We we've stumbled onto perfect. something here. 
If you want us to do that, please send us out on Twitter. I'm going to put up a Twitter poll once the, this, this comes out. So go over to the to our Twitter page at behind underscore gorilla and vote on whether we should have our own promotion that is takes place exclusively on baseball fields. I love it. So <laughs> so they have to break the hold. The brawl continues. It's it's again just a really awkward like a lot of walking, a lot of chopping. Takagi gets Suzuki in the same hold and, you know, is wrenching his leg, wrenching his leg, ah, oh, tap out, tap out, but they've brawled all the way from first to second base. And Suzuki, realizing that this is the rule, is able to reach the base, and the, the ref <laughs> does the same thing. He says, break the hold, he's safe, safe, and he swings his arms out. Unfortunately, they don't make it all the way around the bases, which is kind of what I was hoping they would do. Oh, I was hoping started. that too. So they just, there's a lot of this in this match. They they seem to lose interest, or they'll stop and just kind of walk in opposite directions for a minute, and, and they, they sort of both wander off into center-left field. And then suddenly Suzuki takes this huge running start across the outfield and cracks Takagi with a big boot, and he starts working a submission again. And now, oh, no, they're in left field. Oh, there's boy. No bases, you oh, know? yeah. But he, he powers out of it and drags him back through the infield and touches third base, so I guess they did make their way around the bases. Like, he literally, he's, he's dragging him by the head, he stops, looks down, steps on third base, and keeps moving. But he doesn't keep moving home. No, 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 no. This is a Tokyo Dome show. So we are going to see every inch, every inch of this stadium. So we go up into the stands, and they're brawling. They're brawling through the crowd, except there isn't a crowd. So they're just sort of staggering through the stairs. And they make their way all the way up to the top, and the camera gets distracted now. The wrestlers are still fighting, like two or three rows down. And the cameraman stops and turns, and, and there's a luchador in the top row pitching a PowerPoint about himself. He's got his laptop open, <laughs> and I, I guess it's his website. Again, one of the reviews I listened to explained this, but I can't read any of it. I don't know what he's talking right. about. But they, they just fight right around him like they were doing for the national anthem, you know, and he tries to get out of the way, and Suzuki gets annoyed and knocks him down and lifts up his mask, puts it back on, and slaps him. <laughs> like he recognized him, and he, he was like, you, just the disdain right. from Suzuki is incredible here because this guy's just trying to, you know, elevate his brand a little bit and take advantage of this big championship match. And All I can Suzuki's think of is Zack Ryder standing out in the crowd like with a camera trying to film his his YouTube show while a match is going on. That's really accurate, <laughs> and I want you to remember that you said that because it isn't the first time or the last time in this match Oh boy, okay. that you'll think of something like that. Because apparently the whole DDT roster is just kind of hanging around the stadium tonight. I don't know exactly why they let them in or <laughs> if any of this is allowed, but it is no DQs. So Suzuki starts going to town on this poor luchador, and... Suddenly, Takagi comes sprinting back down the stairs, nails him with a fire extinguisher. Not <laughs> not the fire extinguisher. He just sprays them both with with the fire. Right, right. So the foam, and they just they both go down like like it's a gas attack in World War One. They're both just <laughs> dead, just <laughs> coughing and crawling along the stairs. And Takagi makes his way back up, and now we're in the concourse, and Suzuki is staggering after him. We're like 15 minutes into the match at this point. <laughs> Nobody has attempted a pinfall yet, by the way. <laughs> Bringing it back to our New Japan roots, they're just sort of, you know, staggering around. And 
Sure. I guess trying to do damage. And they start making their way up the stairs, like to the upper deck. And at this point, Mark, you know what this reminded me of? Um, at this point, I have no idea. It's not a wrestling thing. Of it's, course not. It's the scene in, you know, this is a deep dive, but if you guys like wrestling and you're still listening to this, you might know what I'm talking about. There's a scene in The Lord of the Rings where Gandalf and the Balrog, the, the fire demon, right. fall from the bridge into like the very pits of this mountain, like the deepest, deepest holes. And then when you see him again, he's reintroduced to you in the next movie. He says, yeah, no, we fell all the way down, and then we fought our way all the way up to the highest peak of this mountain, and that's when I killed him. And you, watching that movie as a kid, I always thought, what did that look like? Just watching these two guys fight awkwardly all the way up a mountain. It looked like this. <laughs> it looked like two guys just sort of chopping at each other and walking backwards upstairs for like 20 minutes. <laughs> that's what so they start... They've ascended from the field all the way up to, like, the lower-level concourse, and now they're making their way up. We're going to the upper deck, the very pinnacle of the Tokyo Dome. And they get to a stairwell on the second level, and this big fat guy comes running out. He's clearly a comedy wrestler, like he's in his gear. He's got his shorts on. He's this big, goofy-looking guy, and he starts chopping Suzuki from behind. <laughs> so he is now pinned. Suzuki is now pinned between his challenger oh, no. and this fat guy, whose name I don't know. And they're both chopping him, just pow, pow, pow in his back and <laughs> his front over and over and over again. He doesn't sell any of it, turns around, kicks this guy in the side of the head, and then rolls his body all the way down the stairs. <laughs> and it's the best bump of the entire match. I don't, this fat guy takes a hard kick right to the head, like one of the loudest kicks you'll ever hear, and then rolls all the way down about 20 steps. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so we got the big fat guy. And we got um, him trying to interfere in this match. See, but he is interfering, but he just looks like he wants, he looks like a puppy who wants to play. (laughs) Like, he doesn't look like he's trying to take anyone out. Suzuki turns around and he's like, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Like, he just wants to fight. Okay, so, and then he gets kicked in the head. And then mm-hmm. rolled down the stairs. Like, please explain to me how this how this man is is rolling down the stairs. Well, you know, it's he's well one. He's pretty chubby, so he's right. got a little bit of the padding. But so he falls onto his belly and then just rolls, you know, back to belly, all the way down, sort of <laughs> with his arms and legs parallel to the steps. If that how makes big are sense. these stairs? I mean, it's like stairs in a. You know, in a concourse, like if you're walking up to the next level. So, you know, picture like a high school set of stairs. Like if you're going from the first floor to the second floor, there's probably, you know, like a dozen of them. And And there's enough room for this guy to roll that way down the stairs? Yeah, well, this is an empty arena, but it's a wide enough staircase for, you know, theoretically, if this is a big event at the Tokyo Dome, we need to make sure a lot of people can fit on the staircase. Right, right. Okay, okay. So so there's there's room for for him to roll down. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Got, we, I'm glad we got that cleared up. Well, I'm, I am too because that'll come back. That'll come back into play. Oh so, man! Okay, so far I've asked all the right questions. Apparently, yeah. No, this is <laughs> look. Never let it be said that there's no storytelling in DDT. There is a whole <laughs> lot of it. In this match. So they make their way. The, the two of them make their way all the way up to the third deck, and they're now at the top of the Tokyo Dome, and you can you know see the field way below them and. Suzuki drives Takagi down the stairs, 
gets him down to the railing and starts trying to throw him over the railing <laughs> where he will obviously die. The announce team is no selling it because they can't stop laughing <laughs> because look at how silly these guys are. And this performer, this wrestler, Mark, he puts one of his legs over the railing. <laughs> like he's selling it like he's about to jump right. like mankind onto empty stairs 200 feet below him and die. And then Suzuki oh, gets great. distracted by a concession girl. A girl walking around the upper deck, like, offering to sell water, even though there's nobody <laughs> in the stadium. He well, there's all those other wrestlers he, who are watching. Well, I guess. Or the reporters. I don't yeah, know. The, yeah, there's the reporters, too. Are, okay, are the reporters yeah, yeah. following these guys up the stairs? Oh, yeah. Okay, Oh, yeah, okay, all okay. the way. To, there's their own little entourage. It would be okay. very funny if they just kind of stayed on the field, like, politely waiting. <laughs> no, they're following them. Okay. Their job is to cover this event, and... It's technically a Falls Count Anywhere match, yeah, I suppose. Although, again, nobody's tried to make a pinfall Although, also, yet, there's but, no ring, so I, of course it's Falls right, Count Anywhere. Right, so it'd be weirder if it's a Falls Count Nowhere match. They're still fighting. <laughs> that would be weird. It'd be like, so that, he, uh, it'd be like the, um, the final deletion. Or the, uh, the, yeah, then the final deletion with uh, Eddie Edwards and Bobby Lashley, how they're still wrestling out in the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So at any rate, Suzuki gets distracted by this concessions girl, and he stops, and he turns around, and he walks down the aisle. And I can't understand what he's saying. I imagine it's something along the lines of, what the heck are you doing? I'm trying to retain my championship here. You know, this is very serious. And she doesn't take kindly to that and just kicks him right in the face. Just boom, big boot, right Oof. to the face. Lays him out. And Takagi comes back and confronts her, and again, seems upset by what's happening and that she's interfering in his title match, and he takes a kick and she wanders off to the rest of the stadium to continue trying to sell water to an empty arena. And they keep fighting, and they make their way back down the stairs. They're, all, they're coming back down now. We're, we're continuing our little tour of the Tokyo Dome. I feel like I've been there now. And as we make our way back down the stairs, the fat guy comes back, and he's just made his way up like the first flight of stairs that he fell down in the first yes. place. Yes. Kicked in the head again, rolled right back oh. down the same stairs again. It's an even harder bump than he took the first time. Oh. He basically throws himself down these concrete <laughs> stairs. <laughs> and they just, they just keep fighting. And Suzuki grabs like an orange security vest from somebody nearby and starts choking this guy out with it. Drops him to his knees, hits him <laughs> with a running kick. They run into a cheerleader. We're, we're back down at the first level. Wait, a cheerleader? Now. There's a cheerleader. Well, when I say cheerleader, it's a grown man with a beard wearing a cheerleader outfit. <laughs> a New Japan gimmick. <laughs> but, okay. Okay. So he's, he's there and he's dancing and singing something in Japanese. It's a white guy. Like, it's an American guy. <laughs> Kickstarting his wrestling career. He'll Does be a universal champion in 10 years. Yeah, but. maybe. So, so Takagi stops. And they do a little song and dance routine real quick at the camera. Like, he stops and... <laughs> I wish I knew what they were saying. I have no idea. I assume these people are all just members of the roster that are, like, glomming on at this oh, point. Oh, this keeps getting so better. They, this is great. They keep fighting their way through the concourse. And then we see another guy who is arguing with stadium officials and throwing money on the ground. And at first I thought, oh, he's trying to buy his way into this match. What he's actually doing is he's trying to book himself another show at the Tokyo Dome in the future. He wants to get in on some of this action. 
And for some reason, neither wrestler takes really kindly to this. Suzuki kicks the guy in the head, steals all of his money from the ground, and runs <laughs> off. So now they're both in pursuit. And Suzuki is just waving this guy's money around, going down another flight of stairs. So now we're heading into the basement. We're about 25 minutes into this match oh, right man. now. The field is nowhere in sight. I don't think one pinfall has been attempted. If there has, it is literally one pinfall. That was probably in the first five minutes. <laughs> so we're still a walk-in. And at this point, if you're wondering, like I was when I watched this, where are all the employees? Like, <laughs> what? It, I guess that girl was selling something earlier, but... Surely there are people working at the stadium during the daytime. That's what I said to myself while I was watching this. And no sooner do the words get out of my mouth, Mark, they make their way down into the basement. And it's these two wrestlers and the other guy who was just trying to get his money back at this point. And they encounter a janitor. And the guy looking for his money shoves the janitor out of the way, and the janitor snaps. And he rips off his hat, and he picks up his mop, and he says, No. And he beats the tar out of all three of them with his mop and bucket. He cracks his bucket over this third guy's head, the guy who's, who's trying to book himself on a show. They drag him off. Suzuki and Takagi, who are wrestling this match, technically. It sounds to me like the janitor up. is better than both of them. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> He should really be in this why, match. Why doesn't he get the title? Why can't this be like the old hardcore championship in WWF when all that matters is all you have to do is just run out and have a ref with you and pin the champion, and you're mm-hmm. the champion. Like, it doesn't matter if you were in, in a match or not. I want that to come back because that is what this feels like. Mark, I want the janitor listen. to have the title. He deserves it. Listen, I'm not even done. <laughs> the two challengers pick up this guy. They, they set up a table in the basement. They pick up this poor guy who was just trying to make a business decision before these two lunatics came by and just ruined his day. (laughs) They pick him up, place him on the table, and hold him down while the janitor runs to a supply closet, (laughs) gets a ladder, brings the ladder back. Wait a minute, now the janitor's with them? He's just mad at this one guy. I don't know. (laughs) I thought you said the janitor was beating everybody up. The janitor, he got shoved by this guy right. in the first place, so I guess that's where he's But I thought you said he was beating everybody up. He was knocking them all down, well, but then... I guess he's focused his anger okay. on this guy. Because he, with the reporters and everyone gathered around and taking pictures, he stops, opens the ladder, climbs to the top of it, and just crushes this guy through <laughs> a table. And, and Suzuki and Takagi get up high-five, and then start fighting again. And they're back off down the hallway. And <laughs> these two guys are never seen again. Presumably because the janitor killed him. But it doesn't matter, because we're back off. We're fighting our way through the basement of the Tokyo Dome. And now we we go into another stairwell. But this one uh, is actually too narrow. They have enough room to fight in it, but there's so many reporters and so many photographers that our cameraman can't even get through to the top of the stairwell to see what's happening and we get <laughs> this is incredible production mark we get literally 30 seconds of the back of this guy's like official photographer vest you know like that orange or whatever like i'm allowed to be here best right right and then the camera cuts not to the fighters who are presumably fighting their way down the staircase although i don't know but to the fat guy <laughs> 
sitting at the top of another set of stairs. Yes, he's that's made clearly it. clearly like two or three people wide, right? And he's just sitting there and like one, like I read one source that claimed like it looked like, it looked like he's asleep. To me, it just looks like he's pouting because all he wanted to do was play and he's just gotten kicked down the stairs two or three times. <laughs> and you think, oh, okay, I know what's going to happen. Like they're going to come around the corner and we're going to cut back and forth until they come around the corner and knock him over. Right. And you're only half right, because you can hear clearly these two guys are still fighting up the stairs, like back around the corner. But you never cut back to them, because the camera is blocked by all the photographers. So, Mark, we get literally, literally a minute and a half of this guy just sitting there with his head in his hands. And in the background, like up in the hall, you can hear, ugh, ugh. <laughs> like chops and who kn- I don't know what's happening. He could be beating him with a baseball bat. You never know because you can't see it. But after again a minute and a half of real time, no cuts, they come staggering back around the corner. Suzuki kicks the guy down the stairs one more time, and then they come brawling down the stairs after. It's, it is a, it's incredible, and this poor guy just ate it again down a third set of narrower stairs that he still managed to roll down somehow wow. because he's an absolute professional. Yeah, of course. But we're even we're we're even further into like the belly of the basement now, you know? And at, at some point we're we're going back down the hallways. I guess this is like locker rooms and stuff now. Suzuki goes for a pile driver at one point, which is the only power move anyone's tried to hit this entire match. Wow. He doesn't hit it, which is good because it's a concrete floor and he would have killed him. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You can do it. I've seen it done. I've seen pile drivers on concrete floors done before. Well, you know, at any rate, he couldn't get it up, which is <laughs> a shame. Yeah, that is too bad. So we're still fighting. I mean, you There's saw a- Jericho took that pile driver on the entrance ramp. Yeah, that's true. That's I remember true, watching that. Know, it, a lot of... it was like in the beginning of the match, and I remember looking at that, and I was like, what is he doing? You're like 50 well, years these... old, one of the yeah. legendary legends of all time in wrestling. What are you taking a pile driver on the stage for? He's just hardcore, man. Yeah. Well, anyway. plus, you know, here's the other thing. There are all these photographers around, and one of them probably would have messed it up, because it's, it's like a small mob wandering their way <laughs> through the hallways at this point. And I say it's a <laughs> locker room, because it's just like, Everyone who would ever have anything to do at the Tokyo Dome is just hanging out there. Like, there's a tournament <laughs> Muay Thai fighter that they run into, and it's like a video game. Like, he's practicing his Muay Thai in full gear in the hallway, <laughs> and they stop for a second. Right, and have a little like cutscene there. Neither of them want anything to do with him, so they just stop and look at him. And then Takagi tries to run by him, and the Muay Thai fighter grabs him and throws him up into the wall and just starts punching the crap out of him. And Suzuki tiptoes behind him and is like, yeah, I did it. I got away. And Takagi gets free and starts chasing him again. And then they encounter a group of crazy fans who try to like aggressively grope them. It's really uncomfortable. It's a Japanese thing. I don't really understand it. Yeah, the Japanese are trying weird. To, they're trying to fight the, their way out of these sexual predators, which is the only way I can think of to you know, <laughs> describe them, these guys get distracted by someone else wandering the hallway and run off and tackle him and start grabbing his junk. It's really weird. <laughs> okay. That's, that's probably a funnier joke if you're Japanese or like understand the culture or what, yeah, what that is. But they, they, rate, they're weird. They, they have some weird things, that's for sure. He, they just lead them to it and wander off, continuing their fight. And now, if you'll remember, this is a baseball stadium. So what, what else would you expect to find 
batting cages. But a pitcher warming up in the bullpen. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah. So they stumble into a batting cage. There's a pitcher there warming up, and the camera gets distracted again, and we get about 25 seconds of this guy, like, practicing pitching <laughs> in the bowels of the Tokyo Dome, like, back and forth. And I think the guy, I think his coach is a famous Japanese wrestler, some famous Japanese guy, like, making a cameo because the camera lingers on him for a minute. I don't know who he is or what it is. Yeah. Well, hey. then the wrestlers just kind of stop and soak it in for a second. And then one of them says, oh, right, no DQ, starts grabbing baseballs out of the bucket <laughs> and just drilling Takagi with them. So he's pegging them with baseballs. The rest of the like the other baseball players and Suzuki, uh, Suzuki is instigating the baseball attack. I'm sorry, he's the heel. Okay. And the rest of the, like, the pitcher and the catcher and Takagi all join forces and grab their own bucket and drive Suzuki out of the locker room with baseball. So, <laughs> so, now, boom, we're, boom, so boom, now we're boom. watching Elf. Yeah, basically. That's, <laughs> that is what it reminded me of. It was the smartest thing anyone has done the, the whole match, and yeah. I'm shocked it took them that long to get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We finally, he, he flees, right? He flees the barrage of baseball, makes his way all the way back, out through the locker room, into the dugout, and now, Mark, we're back on the field. Yay! And one of them is giving chase, and he makes his way all the way back to the field, and he stops. And this is a little brilliant bit of editing. And it holds on both of the wrestlers standing on the edge of the dugout, looking at the field, like Godzilla himself were standing in front of them, like they cannot believe what they're seeing. <laughs> and they let us just soak in their reaction for a second, and then the camera, the camera pans around, and it's a woman on the pitcher's mound in traditional Japanese garb with a ball and a, and a mitt standing on the pitcher's mound. Oh, they look at her, okay. and they look at each other, and they say, of course. <laughs> and Takagi picks up a baseball bat and walks up to home plate and takes his stand. And the woman starts pitching to him. And she throws the first pitch about 10 feet behind him. And he swings so hard, Mark, that he almost falls over. So <laughs> I guess it's strike one. And then she inches, she inches a little bit closer to him and throws another pitch. And it's so far to the right. Like, you know that scene, what is it, Major League, where the guy throws his first pitch and the catcher literally dives outside of the box and catches it. And the announcer goes, just a bit out. Oh, that's, yeah, that's Major League. It was that. It was just a bit outside. He again swings as hard as he can, falls over, and Suzuki comes up. And he's like, no, 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 no. Let me show you how to do it. And he assumes a stance. And the woman scoots is a little bit closer, and she almost hits him with the pitch. And he charges <laughs> the mound, and it's at this point that the bench is clear. Because at this point, every person in the Tokyo Dome who has encountered them on this little journey has followed them back to the field, and they're sitting in the dugout like two teams at a Major League Baseball game. And as soon as Suzuki charges the mound, presumably to beat the crap out of this defenseless woman who just mystically appeared on the pitcher's mound and like presented them this challenge, the bench is clear, and it's total chaos on the field. It looks like a rumble, like there's just people <laughs> fighting left, right, and center. I don't think it's heels and faces. I think it's just kind of chaos somewhere in the middle of it is these two guys still fighting for the title, but it's not like an open match. Like, nobody else can win, so I don't really know what's going on. But eventually somebody grabs a mic and starts yelling at them and makes them 
make some clear off, you know. And we're we're finally back, Mark, to where we began, which is a brawl on a baseball field between two men. And they're still <laughs> they can't do much but like chop at each other at this point. But they're baseball chops now. And there is a second where you know how in any great wrestling match there will be a moment where there's, you know, the good guy and the bad guy and they stand in the middle and they punch. And then they punch. Right. It's one of the stupidest r- moves in all of wrestling, but is always fun to watch and has been done right. well, for decades. And the decades. crowd goes, ooh. Yeah. And then the crowd goes, yay. Oh, yeah, it's and a lot of fun. Faster and faster. Especially when, when, uh, when it's someone like Roman Reigns, who everyone doesn't like, and they boo them. Right. That's always funnier. Right. It's weird. But like when it's pure like babyface and heel, then it works really well, too. It but does. that's kind of what these guys do, except they're baseball chops. So they're standing toe-to-toe, like between home plate and the pitcher's mound, and one of them takes a wind-up, like a full wind-up, rears back with both hands, and then chops him on the chest. Pow! <laughs> like, he's a, like he's throwing the ball to home, right? Of course. And then the guy staggers, the other one will stagger back, and then he looks at him, and he does the same thing, puts both hands together, wind-up, big old crow hop, and then pow, right in the chest, just slap <laughs> And this goes back and forth for a minute, and finally Suzuki just levels him with a baseball chop, just knocks him right down. And they get back up, and they go back and forth, and then Suzuki locks in a submission hold. And Takagi manages to power out of it, hits a stunner, which I guess is like his finisher, because he was, you know, he's the guy who came out to the Stone Cold Steve Austin music earlier. That makes sense. So he hits a stunner. But he doesn't go for the pin. He does what, what I can only assume is this match's version of climbing to the top rope, and he starts running and running and running. And one cameraman is following him, <laughs> huffing and puffing, trying to keep up. He lays this guy out with a stunner at home, Mark. Of course. And we stop and we watch this guy run past third base, out into left field, all the way out to the left field foul pole. And he gets there, and he stops, and he, like, flexes for a second, and he gets down like he's about to run in a track meet, and he just takes off for home, like sprinting. And the cameraman who followed him is trying to keep up, and he's falling behind. (laughs) Suzuki is trying to get up at home, and he's really struggling to do it. And Takagi is just sprinting now, back through left field, crosses third base, charges all the way to home, goes to hit him with a clothesline, and whiffs. (laughs) Just absolutely eats it. It's thrown completely off balance. And Suzuki locks him back into the submission, holds him in it for about 30 seconds, picks him up, hits him with a pile driver on home plate, (laughs) and pins him for the three count and wins. I don't... I don't know, man. I don't know how else to describe this match to you other than it's absolutely insane and also they had the attention to detail to make their way all the way around the bases it started with him breaking that submission hold on first base they broke a submission on second base touched third on the way into the stands (laughs) and then before suzuki pins him for the win he himself reaches out his left hand and covers home plate with it for the three count amazing amazing it's the it, it was 49 minutes long. <laughs> it lasted an hour. Like, okay, this show, th- this is what I think from, from this match. I feel like this match could have been its own episode of the show 24. 
<laughs> did, did you watch 24? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. This could have been a season of 24. You know how they do, uh, you know, it's each, each episode is a full hour of the day. And you could do a whole season on this one match. Now, it's 49 minutes, so I'm not sure how you'd have to split that up. It might have to be a couple of minutes or whatever. But um, that, that's what I feel like we just experienced. We experienced a full yeah. season of, of something. Yeah. I don't know what, but we We've experienced a full a season of something. We've gone on a journey. We have done, sure. we've done yeah. one of those, like, um, yeah, yeah, exa- yeah that, that's a perfect way to put it. We, we, we have gone on the world's most complete wrestling journey in, in, in the span of one match. Yeah. And if you're going to leave it to DDT to make an empty arena match just absolutely incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a good empty arena match before this one. But the dedication. Well, there, there definitely has been the. But okay, okay. But I'll give you well, a break. You've I only been like, res- watching wrestling for five years, so no, you're sure. still behind. That's fine. Well, then I'm not saying they don't exist, but to me, I feel like the weird part about it is that there's no crowd and there's nothing to play off of, and it can just be very dull. Like yeah. none of this would have worked if it hadn't been absolutely insane, which I guess is kind of DDT in a nutshell. But from just from start to finish, all the people that they run into, the fact that the match starts with him breaking a submission hold by touching first base, which is still the greatest thing I think I've ever heard ever. It's so great. Well, and I just, I wish you could listen to the commentary because I don't know if they established that that's a rule beforehand or not. Right. But I don't think that they did because the look on <laughs> Suzuki's face when the ref is like, "He's safe. He's safe. Break the pen. <laughs> Let go of the hold." It's just amazing. They make it all the way back home. Like I said, they go all the way around the stadium, back to home plate. And when he hits the pinfall at home, the ref says, He's out! out!" (laughs) In really broken English. (laughs) And it's just, I don't know if they announced it as a baseball match beforehand, but that's what, it's it's absolutely incredible. And I'm not even, okay, so I, I almost stopped right there. Because there were a couple minutes left in the video, and I thought, okay, well, this is clearly like the recap and like a promo or two, and none of this is in English, so that's not going to do me any good. But then I went and I watched another, um, Brian and Vinny, are they, are they Meltzer, Meltzer affiliated, or are they someone else? I don't... Um, I think, I think they are. I think they okay, are. Well, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. I, I know their names, right? So anyway... You should absolutely go watch this match. If you've made it through all this, it is still worth going and watching again just to experience with your own eyes. But if you don't have time to watch a whole 49-minute match that you know the ending of and is not exactly a technical <laughs> masterpiece, they have a video on YouTube where they do a really good like 12-minute recap of most of it, and they have the video highlights and everything. And I'm glad I watched that because they explained it to me. And this is how this match ends. So he pins him retains the title, and Takashi stands up, and he starts cutting a promo. And what he does is he retires. He says, look, this has been a good run. There's nothing more I can contribute, and this is the end of my career. And then he asks for the 10-bell salute. And for some reason, somebody brought a bell to this thing, which is the (laughs) most shocking part of all of this. And and the two of them stand there in mutual respect while this guy gets a 10-bell salute to end his career in, like, an impromptu retirement match. But after the seventh bell tolls, surprise, it was a swerve the whole time. 
and he turns on Suzuki, hits him with a stunner again, stands up, and announces that he wants another match for the title on a deserted island. <laughs> and I don't Amazing. think that ever happened. Oh. But if it did, then I guarantee you I will be back here to talk about <laughs> it. Good, good. Yeah. Because we're, so we're going to need Mark, that. I think, yeah, I think that's the most insane wrestling match I've ever seen. But if you're going to go weird, then go DDT weird. Because, by golly, they pulled it off. That that was that was amazing. That was, uh, I mean, that, that had everything you could ever possibly want in a wrestling match. I mean, it covered right? every base. Literally. There were... <laughs> there's some great I'm going to try to find the screenshot of it to send you but there's so many great just snapshots of moments in this match that you can't get anywhere outside of pro wrestling but just the story of the fat guy who kept getting knocked yeah, down that was, that I mean, was my I was favorite part my it was incredible that's what I literally wrote in my notes I was like never let it be said that DDT doesn't have any in-ring storytelling because <laughs> My goodness. I told a story what a right, right there. I mean, that's that's a heck yeah. of a story. Whole match was, is a heck of a story. It was absolutely incredible. It really was. That's amazing. That is amazing. And um, and you were talking about empty arena, empty arena matches, and that's um, and uh, one of those or something that has to do with that has already been on my list of podcast topics. So I might have to pull that out for uh for next week's episode. I just might. I'll have to. Right. Uh, I'll have to decide. Sweet. But um. Boy, that was that was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you um, bringing us that, Harris. That was something we definitely needed. Um, we needed to hear in full detail. We we needed that. Oh yeah. And um, it that that fits perfectly with our show. And um, yeah, <laughs> right. that was that I'm was really amazing. glad that I found it. As soon as I did, I was like, "Yeah, no, this is this is what it needs to <laughs> yeah, be for it, sure." You probably had one of those moments I had once I saw that promo for Tagar, the Lord of the Volcano, where I was yes, just like, exactly. "Yes, this is yep. what it is." <laughs> yep. Like the the light comes from the heavens and the angels sing, and you're like, "Oh yep. boy." Yep. I didn't oh, think it would be 49 minutes long. Oh I probably yeah, me spent neither. As long talking about it, but that's the like watching it live you're just like how much more what else can they possibly do but yeah. there's so oh man it was it was absolutely insane that and i'm really looking amazing. forward to the to the uninhabited island match oh yeah i hope, I hope they do soon. that anyway um so i guess we can uh this has already been a long show we'll move on to our uh, david arquette segment for the show oh yeah what's he been up to He's been doing a lot of wrestling, as always, and um, our patron saint has had a lot going on. Last night, because uh, we're recording this on Sunday, uh, last night he was in, he performed at an NWA show in, uh, I believe, where was it? It was somewhere in Tennessee. It was Clarksville, Tennessee. He, he was mm -hmm. actually at an NWA show, and he wrestled uh, a guy named Josephus, who I'm not super familiar with, to be perfectly honest. But he wrestled him in a match, and I think it was, I believe it was, yes, it was. It was a hair versus hair match last night against this guy, Josephus. And if you ever look at him, I mean, he is like massive beard, long hair. Like, there's a lot of hair on this guy. And um, I don't know if you've been watching it, but there's been a lot of a lot of promos going back and forth on social media with David Arquette and um, him, and they've all been fantastic. 
And uh, our our Lord and Savior, our patron Saint David Arquette, came out victorious in this match. Hooray! Um, he has. I don't know if he's ever won a match, to be perfectly honest, um, since he's been wrestling. But he definitely won this one, and so he got to cut and shave the head of uh, Josephus. So that was well, a um, that was a big deal. And then tonight he has an even bigger match because he is taking on Colt Cabana. At, no way! Um, at Wrestle Palooza. At first one, I believe it's called First One Wrestling, and it's in Minneapolis, so it's actually close to me. It's like five hours away from me, and I wanted to go, but then I was like, yeah. I'm not driving five hours. I'm just not. I wasn't yeah. going to do it. And I mean, it's as close to you as anything can be close to you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so um, I was disappointed because I did want to try and get out to there, but uh, but it wasn't going to happen. So they're wrestling tonight. This is Sunday. And so, uh, yeah, he's wrestling Cole Cabana, so that's kind of a big deal. He's moving up in the world, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I'm um, glad people seem to be really receptive to what he's trying to do. And he's doing a great job of kind of what we talked about last week on the review of Ready to Rumble, but, like, he's taking this chip on his shoulder and he's making it a huge part of his character. Yeah. You know, and saying, well, none of you respect me because you think I'm not a real wrestler and I'm going to do whatever it takes, like, all that stuff. That's super fun, and it's easy for people to get behind. Oh, yeah, Definitely. So, um, and yeah, now that we've watched Ready to Rumble and all this, we are now um, going to start uh, pestering him to try and get him on the show. <laughs> so that, that is our new, already... that's our new goal. So that's what I'm going to start right, doing yep. with the Twitter account. And Harris, I think you should join us. Uh, you should join in and um, constantly DMing uh, David Arquette, trying to get him. Trying to get him on the show because that would be the ultimate thing. We'll quit the show after we, uh, if we ever get David <laughs> Arquette, we're done. Like that will be the yeah. last episode of this show. If it happens, much um, the peak. It, it, there's nowhere to go if, you know, once that happens, you know, th- there's You're nobody absolutely else. right. And that's also very funny because him being on the show would be by far like the biggest, widest exposure and the most listened episode we'd ever have. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And we'd just be like, all right, and we're done. And Thank we're done. Man. No, we're, we're done. We just we just promote the backlog after then. Just be like going out on top. Yeah. So uh, that's what we're going to try and do. So, again, if any of you know David Arquette. <laughs> Steer him this way, because there's nobody more appreciative of David Arquette than we are, and I'll guarantee that. Uh, maybe his mom and his family, maybe. But um, <laughs> other than that, there's nobody on this planet more appreciative of David Arquette than we are. Oh, I think that's a what fair is... thing to say. Yeah, no, I think you're right. His I think face is on our logo. <laughs> it's been earned. You know, that's what makes it so beautiful. Like, we didn't have any ill will towards him coming no, into the show. No, no, But I know, like... My respect for him increased exponentially based on all the stuff that we learned doing these episodes. Oh, yeah. Right from the start. Episodes three and four, and David Arquette became our show, pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, so we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening again to this episode of Behind the Gorilla. Follow us on Twitter at Behind underscore Gorilla um, for all the updates on the shows and all our thoughts on wrestling going on. Mostly they're tweets from me, but also Harris chimes in every now and then as well. Yeah, I hijack the account every once in a Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty fun. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, or me on Twitter, at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. I'll sure. try to tweet about Raw a little bit, but I'm mostly going to be watching the college football national championship. Yeah, but. yeah, I'll definitely be watching that and probably not Raw. But um, anyway, and then also I have another podcast. If you're into Batman, check that one out. Uh, the Uncaped Crusaders review, where me and my friend Ian watch every Batman movie ever made. We, uh, we're a little behind, actually. We took a break for the holidays, and I think we're going to get back on track this uh, this upcoming Wednesday 
with uh, going back to the animated movies and doing uh, Batman Gotham Knight, which was kind of a weird mashup animated movie with different animation styles. But anyway, so uh, huh. ch- check that out on Twitter at Uncaped Review. So that'll do it for uh, Behind the Gorilla. Again, I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And have a great week. Yeah.